Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. We are a week away from leaving for the Combine in Indianapolis, the NFL offseason. Not really much of an offseason, so uh, things are going to start picking up. we got a full week of pods uh, this week. Lance Reisland is going to join me a little later this week. He's going to give us some names to, to watch at the Combine, some people that he likes for the Browns already, and some sleepers. We'll have a Hey Mary Kay edition of the pod a little bit later, too. So, I did still want to ask our texters for some help on this podcast. So I sent out a text, and if you want to get involved, it's cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. You can become an insider. You can just become a texter, whatever it is you want to do. Um, It's all there at cleveland.com slash Browns when you click that blue banner. I wanted true or false questions and fill in the blank questions. I think these are always kind of fun to throw out there. So... I'm going to go with this one first from the 253 area code. Big open-ended off-season question. I think the biggest surprise of the Browns 2024 off-season will be blank. That's a great one. I, I love know, it. I know a lot of ways we can go with this. That is so good. Um so I have a couple minutes lead time on you guys. Um, I haven't really looked at all of these, but um, I have seen the replies. So I have one, but if, if one of you has oh, a good no. one off the top. You go. Okay. I think the biggest surprise will be the Browns will make a significant wide receiver trade. Uh, and that's how they're going to add their guy. So like T Higgins is probably going to get franchised. And I don't think the Bengals would turn around and trade him to the Browns after they franchise him. If they end up trading him at all, if they resign, whatever they end up doing. But I think there's some name out there that we haven't figured out yet that the Browns are going to trade for. And I don't know if it's an AJ Brown type, you know, that happened on draft night, something like that. And I don't know necessarily to the level, like, could it be another Elijah Moore type trade? Because, of course, the Browns don't have a first round pick this year for the for the final time as part of the Deshaun trade. So that kind of limits what they can do. But I think there's some name out there that could kind of pop up. Maybe it's sort of like Amari Cooper, right? When we started getting to uh, to the start of free agency that year, you started to hear Amari Cooper's name a little bit more. So maybe it's somebody like that. But I think that's how the Browns get their guy. Um, some sort of trade for a receiver. So I think that's the biggest surprise. We just don't, maybe we just don't know that name yet. Well, I like this one, Dan. I mean, I do think that, um, you know, that they probably will do something to acquire a good veteran receiver. And we do know that Andrew Barry, some of his best acquisitions have come via trade, including Amari Cooper and Dustin Hopkins and some of his others. So I think this a good, is a good one. I don't know that I would have put it under the category of biggest surprise because I think one way or the other, I think they're going to try to find some kind of a receiver. Now, there are some good ones in free agency. And again, 
uh, we fully expect T Higgins to get um, franchised or for them to extend him or something like that. Uh, so he probably is not going to be available. I think there are some other ones um, that I find intriguing on that list. Um, but I think one way or the other that, you know, they, they just have to go out and, and get themselves a nice, good receiver. Now, do they think that? I, I don't, I don't know for sure yet. We're going to get a better handle on some of this stuff. Uh, when we get to the combine and we get an opportunity to talk to Kevin about it a little bit, and we get an opportunity to talk to Andrew Barry a little bit next week, next Tuesday and Wednesday, we will have a better handle on some of this stuff. Um, but you know, I do think that something along those lines will happen. I don't think they can count on trying to draft a receiver and have that be the way that they go. Obviously, they don't have a first round pick. And, um, you know, you really can't count on a second rounder coming in and being an immediate impact guy. So I do think that they will scour other teams' rosters. They will take a really good look at some of the the free agents um, that are supposed to become free agents in a couple of weeks. And, um, and one way or the other, they will try to come up with something. And Ashley, I wonder if a trade – I guess one of the reasons I feel like a trade seems like it would be likely is just the – the way wide receivers are getting paid now is just the, that number keeps going up. I mean, when they went and traded for Amari Cooper, he, you know, his average per year is 20 million a year. And that's like, I mean, I'm just eyeballing the over the cap list here. That's like 10th in the NFL at this point. Um, as far as average per year, Tyree kill is at the top at about 30 million per year. These guys are getting insane amounts of money in free agency. And it, you start to wonder, like, do you really want to go pay T Higgins four years, $25 million a year, or even $20 million a year. If you can find a valuable receiver who's under contract for less, who maybe hasn't hit that hit free agency yet, or hasn't hit that big payday yet, there might be more value in, in doing something like that. And, and I feel that's part of the the method to Andrew Barry's madness. I mean, for as much cap space as the Browns are going to have, there still is only so much money that you can spend. Um, you know, I, I just wonder if a trade ends up being a more prudent option to, to get a still get a really good receiver. Yeah, this just feels to me like what Andrew Barry does, right? And you set it up there at the top, basically, but this is what he did with Amari Cooper, right? I also think about that year, um, that same offseason when they gave Denzel his big extension, right? They did that before the quarterback market kind of blew up. Like, they seem to be very ahead of the curve on these things in a way that allows them to maybe have more financial flexibility, but also it's like an aggressiveness that we've just seen from him time and time again. I've written this a couple times now, but like, especially with the draft, but I think in free agency too, Andrew Barry is not the kind of guy that's going to back himself into a needs-based corner. He doesn't want one specific need, it feels like, to dictate a lot of these moves. So when he can go out and be aggressive and, you know, for lack of a better term, like basically control the situation in a trade versus relying on a free agent to pick you and having to shell out more money probably, it just feels like the thing that they're going to do because it allows them to have more control from the jump, especially financially. And we all know that's key with when you have, you know, the Deshaun Watson contract by itself. 
Um, but it's, I think, part of the reason what's allowed Andrew Berry to get out of a lot of these cap situations the last couple of years, especially, and wind up with a bunch of cap space when you think they're going to have next to none, basically. Okay, so Mary Kay, you didn't think that was surprising enough. Do you have one? I, I don't know that there's anything, like, super surprising. Yeah, that's the thing. This front office doesn't do anything, like, shocking, usually. No, I mean, I you know what I mean? Like, I, I think it, it could very well happen. But I don't know that even any one of us would be surprised if it happens, right? Because I think we've been talking for a while about how, you know, at least we feel that that is something that is necessary. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know, we've been kind of kicking around. I don't think, I don't put any of them in the surprising category. I really don't. I mean, probably the only thing that that would like really surprise me is if they went out and broke the bank and 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 acquired a a Chris Johnson. But I don't really see that happening. That's not I don't think that's realistic. Um so I can't really think of anything that falls under the surprising category to me. We've talked about possibly resigning Joe Flacco. We've talked about bringing possibly bringing back Jacoby Brissett. Um so honestly this is the best you came up with, I think the, the best, you know, answer for this category. But again, it wouldn't surprise me if they do it. Yeah. Chris Jones would be a shock. Um, it would be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That would get everybody's attention. Ashley, did you have anything for this? Anything? No, Andrew I was very, come on, thing. Andrew. We need like a wild card <laughs> in the front office. We need somebody who's just right? like, who goes up to Andrew's office like once a week and is like, Hey, what if we tried this? And then like, just, went away and hid for a while just to just to spice things up a little yeah you know i think this really would be the move like it feels like the most likely but i think it kind of goes back to what we were talking about a little bit last week where there's not really like huge obvious like spots that need filled on this team right now right like maybe you can argue another pass catcher and they need to figure out backup quarterback but beyond that it's like Man, guys are pretty much staying here. Like they've locked up, you know, their biggest, I think, defensive question was going to be what was going to happen with Grant. They locked him up, obviously, before the season ended. Um, so for me, there's just not a lot of like wiggle room in terms of surprising things they could do. And we know they don't like execute those really like super surprising trades or cuts. Like we talk about that all the time on the 53 man roster pods. Like typically by that point, on cutdown day, we know what direction they're going. They're not the team that's going to make the move that, wow, they released this guy who's been a key player and we never saw this coming. It's just not the way they operate. Okay, well, let's move on to a true or false question from Dave Barnes in Richmond, Virginia. And this is about Ken Dorsey and Deshaun Watson. True or false? Ken Dorsey will help Deshaun Watson get back to a top 10 quarterback level. What do you that's think? That's a good Mary one. Kay? That's a, you know, that's really good. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. And I've said this so many times before. I Unfortunately, I have to qualify it with if Deshaun Watson comes back healthy from the shoulder injury, uh, then I do think that, uh, you know, that he can get back to a top 10 level. I do. And it's certainly not going to be easy because since the last time he was at a top 10 level and when he finished in 2020, uh, as the number two rated quarterback in the NFL behind only Aaron Rodgers with, I think, a 112.3 rating or something like that. Uh, since that time, there's been an influx of really good quarterbacks in the NFL. So 
it's getting hard to get up there into the top 10 anymore. Uh, so it certainly will not be easy. But I really do think that if Ken Dorsey and if Kevin Stefanski really put their heads together, and if they bring in some new concepts uh, with Tommy Reese coming in from, from the college ranks and some of the other guys that they have uh, brought in, Deuce Staley hopefully will come in with some new and fresh ideas and thoughts. Uh, same thing with Andy Dickerson. I mean, they didn't just interview Andy Dickerson to be their offensive line coach that he ended up becoming, but they gave him serious consideration as offensive coordinator. So he should be bringing in some new thoughts and new ideas. And he came from uh, Seattle where he had uh, some, you know, innovative uh, thoughts going on in some situations there uh, with, with Geno Smith and those guys out there. So I think that this is an offensive staff that should really be fresh and new and ready to go. And so therefore I, I do think uh, that they should be able to help Deshaun climb back up into that, top 10 range. And look, Ken Dorsey got fired. Okay. He got fired in the middle of their, of the Bills season. And in the same way that Joe Flacco came back with something to prove, I think Ken Dorsey's got something to prove. I think he wants to show people that he still is a really good offensive coordinator. So he's going to be bringing his best stuff. And so is everybody else. And I'm going to give it a yes, as long as Deshaun's healthy. So top 10 quarterback is interesting. Like all these tiers are, are interesting qualifiers. So I guess I'm trying in my mind to figure out where that puts him. Like if he's 10th in the top 10, who is that on par with? Are we talking about guys like, like, are we sort of in the, the Tua Kirk Cousins range? I don't, I guess I'm trying to figure out exactly where that would put him because I think I think top 10 is pretty reasonable. And to be honest, if we, if we take the contract, I was actually just randomly thinking about this today. If we take the contract out of the equation, what does Deshaun Watson actually need to be for this team to be successful and to make a run and, and have a good season, get to the playoffs and have a chance in the playoffs. Um, if he was just like making a normal salary, you probably could get away with him being just at the very edge of the top 10. So Ashley, I think it's perfectly reasonable to assume that Dorsey and a healthy Deshaun can certainly make for a top 10 quarterback. Yeah. I was going to say true to this one as well. And I think for me, it's also about this fact that we've seen him really individually improve, you know, similar quarterbacks, right? And in Cam Newton and Josh Allen, and we've talked about, you know, those guys are similar, big picture. They obviously are unique in their own ways. Deshaun's not quite as physical or as big as those guys. Um, and you definitely, I don't think, want him to be as physical of a runner now post this injury. But this has been like, to me, when I look at Ken Dorsey's career, his like bread and butter is like getting these guys to think about things a different way, help with their development. And Deshaun's maybe at a different spot in his career, obviously, than Cam Newton was when Ken Dorsey first started working with him. But he is in an interesting spot coming off of this injury now. And obviously he has only played 12 games the last couple of years. It's a small sample size. He really does have to get back to that sort of full-time starter role. So I think what Ken Dorsey has done with some of these younger players who have a similar skill set and helped with their development, I think that really can, you know, help him get more of that consistency post-injury if it all goes according to plan. And also it's like, 
if Ken Dorsey can't do that, like, what's the point of bringing him here? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, he, they better hope that that's what this is if you're the Browns. And it, I'm sure, was a big part of their consideration to hire Ken Dorsey. Okay, so not to turn this into our annual quarterback draft, which is to be determined. Um, I mean, I'm just, I'm just thinking, like, the sure, the sure things at quarterback, right? Josh Allen. Um, I'm, I'm just going through the standings here. So this is no particular order. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. Um, let's see. Uh, Aaron, Ro- I guess we could put Aaron Rodgers in that mix. Justin Herbert. So that gives me like five guys. I think CJ Stroud is right on the cusp there of, of being in that elite company. Um, I, I kind of like to see him get through year two before I start, start putting him in that sense. But I think he's on, he's on his way there. Um, so now we're getting into like Dak and and Jared Goff and you know Brock Purdy I think might still be a year away from being in in the top 5 top 6 range. So to me Mary Kay there's a lot of wiggle room once you get past kind of that really top level of guys and depending on on how quickly we want to just throw CJ CJ into that mix and what people think of Justin Herbert if if we're talking top 10, I don't think that's asking too much for Deshaun Watson to be a top 10 quarterback next year. I don't think so either. Again, I, I think that, um, you know, there are some, you know, that you have to uh, account for that you might not have had to think about last year, like Aaron Rodgers. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers is completely healthy and they have a good supporting cast for him, you know, he might surprise some people and, and come back really strong up, you know, up still in the, the top 10 where he usually resides. Um, so, um, again, it's it's not going to be easy. There are a lot of really, really good quarterbacks. But it's not unreasonable for Deshaun to make it up there into the top 10. So I, I, I'm going to give I'm going to give him that. Yeah. And I just think like I think there's like like I said, I think there's like five maybe six guys who right now you can put in that elite category. And then after that, it's like, there's a lot of wiggle room. So there's probably seven or eight guys that you could squeeze into those four spots. I I just don't think like if you're 10th in the top 10, that's not all that. I mean, that's good. That's not great. That's not Mahomes or Allen or even Lamar. I think, I think that should be the expectation for Deshaun. I, I think that's fair. And I think that should be an expectation for Dorsey as well. Okay, let's take a break, and then when we get back, we'll do some more uh, questions from our Football Insider subscribers. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Okay, this comes from Tom in Middlebury, Connecticut. We will know what to think about the Browns' offense next year and all the changes by game number blank. We don't even have the schedule yet. We don't even know if they're opening in Brazil. We don't know if we're going to Brazil week one. We don't know if we're going to the Greenbrier at the at the end of July. We don't we don't know anything about next season, but we will try and figure out when we'll feel good about the Browns' offense and their <laughs> changes uh, by game number blank. I think the question here is kind of like, how long of a leash are you willing to give this? More than anything, like at what point in the season are you sitting there thinking, like, okay, this I feel a little uncomfortable about all this. Well. I do think there's a good chance they're going to go to Brazil. And I'm almost positive we're going back to the Greenbrier. So it's going to be a very interesting start to uh, start to the season again. Um, 
so yeah, looking uh, looking at the beginning of the season, I actually think with a, an entirely new offensive staff and a tougher schedule than they had last year, that it might take them a little while to figure out who can do what. I mean, even when you look at last year, uh, you know, it took a while to figure out, okay, maybe Elijah Moore doesn't need to be used in all these different ways. Let's just find the three or four routes that he can completely excel at and, and showcase him in that way. I think it might take a little while because they're going to have some new personnel. They're going to have a new, maybe they'll hit, even have a new play caller. We don't know about that yet. Um, but we do know that every single position except for wide receiver has a new position coach. And I think it might take just a little while for it to look like a well-oiled machine. I'm going to say week five is when you can really start to see it come together. I was going to say week six. Like, let's let's get through. So we're kind of in the same range. By the way, I do want to say something because I know as I was looking through these standings, I knew I would I would leave somebody out. I didn't mention Joe Burrow when we were throwing out quarterbacks. So I didn't Mm -hmm. I I did forget about Joe. That's all. Just just scrolled right by the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, Okay, (laughs) but I I was thinking like week six. Right. That's a month and a half. Let's see what if, if this starts to look good right around that week six mark and we know. You know, you really want to build this thing and and have it kind of building up all the way through like Thanksgiving and then really get going. So I think, Ashley, if we get to about week six, what is that, mid-October, I I think we'll have a pretty decent idea of if this offense is heading in the right direction and, and if things are going the way they need to go. Yeah, week six was exactly mine as well. It was just the number that I'm like sitting there thinking, I'm like, if it looks bad, like, when am I going to be saying, oh, yeah, I don't have much faith in this anymore. And it's probably like if I've had to watch six games of them just absolutely struggling, absolute slogs of games. And that's when I think it's, uh oh, we're in trouble. Or it's, hey, this looks like not that bad. Right. And and you just have kind of seen it build and build and build. And you're right. The week six games this past year, Dan, that was October 15th. So it is like right at that midpoint of October. That feels like you're going to have a pretty good grasp on what a team is and isn't at that time. And now season's long. It's like about a third of the way through the season. Things can change. But I also think it's it's just the right amount of time for me to at least feel like I, I know what I'm watching at this point. And if we use this past season as an example, I mean, the first two weeks were pretty bad offensively i mean they had bad weather in week one the pittsburgh game was a mess nick chubb gets hurt and then they come out in tennessee and it looks good now obviously that's the game when deshaun got hurt so it was real disjointed after that but at least when we saw deshaun out there against arizona the second half against baltimore it it resembled like a pretty good pretty competent offense i know the first half against baltimore was bad but um you know mary Kay deshaun's a little bit of a slow starter anyway he mm-hmm. sort of has been that throughout his career. So there could be a chance that we're two weeks in to the season next year or three weeks into the season next year. And we're all still jet lagged from coming back from Brazil. Um, <laughs> and we're think and we're trying to figure out this offense a little bit. Maybe it doesn't look good, but I just think as much as people don't want to hear this because Joe Flacco looked so good so quickly, I just think we're going to have to give it time. And it probably is in that at least five to six week range. Yeah, that's the risk that they're going to take, too, if they bring back uh, Joe Flacco, is that, you know, if it if it doesn't look great in the first two weeks, you know, we know we know what that's going to look like in terms of the fans and talk radio and 
social media calling for Joe Flacco. But I think uh, everyone's going to just have to chill out a little bit, exercise a little bit of patience, and let it come together. Because they're not going to chuck Deshaun Watson overboard uh, unless there's something wrong with his shoulder and move to Joe Flacco. They're not going to do that. Uh, it's a long season, and you know any anything can happen. As long as you can stay in the hunt and you can stay in the thick of it early on and you really start to turn it on, in November and December, you're going to be okay. The margins are razor thin. And, you know, yes, it, you know, you're going to need to, to win pretty much every game you possibly can, but people are not going to be able to panic if it doesn't look in the early going exactly the way that you think it's going to look. Look what happened with Buffalo this year. They were five and five. And, you know, then they went on a run. Look what happened with the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, people start to write them off a little bit. You have to be playing your best ball in November and December, and it could take a little while for this to look what it, like what it's supposed to. Yeah, Kansas City's a great example. Um, I, I mean, you look at the end of their season this year. After their bye, they went one, two, three, four. They went four and five after their bye week. They lost to the Raiders on Christmas. I remember flying home from Houston, and like I think I passed out on the couch during that game. But I woke up and like the Chiefs had lost to the Raiders. And I, I mean, I had been as steadfast, like I'm not going to waver on the Chiefs or Patrick Mahomes ever. But like that one kind of made me nervous. And that was like two weeks before the playoffs or three weeks before the playoffs. So like the Chiefs were not very good up until the postseason. So I think we kind of forget sometimes because of the nature of the NFL, how long these seasons really are. And you do get caught up in that week to week, like reacting to every result. And listen, it's why people listen to our post game podcasts and read our stories after games. Like we love it that way. But there is also that bigger picture, that bigger perspective. And I think, you know, another example of this is the Bucks in 2020. Um, they they were kind of bad for a lot of that season, and it was kind of they weren't really sure what they were. And then they go to their buy and they come off their buy a week 13 by and they don't lose again. They go to the Super Bowl and win it with Tom Brady. So Ashley, these seasons are really long. And for as much as we want to make declarative statements after every win and after every loss, it just, it kind of, we just don't know until we kind of get to the end, honestly, as boring as that sounds. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the flip side of that is look at how good, well, the Browns were playing down the stretch of the season. And after those two losses in, Denver and in LA and it seemed like they were rolling and then what happens in the first chance in the postseason in the wild card game Houston came out Browns had a bad day it looked like the defense didn't show up and things things can change that quickly but I do think like yes it's almost like that battle every week of not overreacting to what we're seeing I know we all try to do that our best that we can um, because that week-to-week narrative, I think, is different than bigger picture, and ultimately it's different than what a team's playoff narrative ends up being. So, yeah, it's going to be – I say that now knowing, like, hey, if this team starts 3-3 three and three or something, it's going to feel, I think, on Twitter especially, like the sky is falling. Okay, i got to fill in the blank for you guys because, again, Combine's next week. That's going to really cramp our binge-watching. Um, and then, you know, and then we get into free agency and the draft. So – Hope you've gotten a lot in, Mary Kay, since you got back from the Super Bowl in this last week or so. Uh, but anyway, 
my fill in the blank is what I'm watching right now is blank. All right. Well, I have a good one. So I was way behind on the true detective whole bandwagon. So we started watch, my husband and I started watching Night Country, the current season with Jodie Foster. And because you had to wait, you know, week by week for it, we went back and watched season one of True Detective, which was fantastic. I mean, just off the charts, amazing. And then um, we still needed, after that, after we finished that, then we moved on to season two because we were still piecemealing it with uh, the current one. So we have two episodes left in season two, which I'm enjoying season two. I saw somebody on Twitter yesterday saying that they they did not like season two at all. I am shocked. That I like it? Yes. Season two is like notoriously, I've, no one liked it, I don't think. I thought it was bad. That I th- The one with Rachel McAdams? Yeah. People. I don't find even, it. We even I've, I've like only seen season our, one. Okay, we've even had some of our listeners, the last time we talked about True Detective, like, somebody tweeted at me and was like, make sure you tell Mary Kay to not hold season two against the show. Like, before you had started <laughs> watching it. Yeah, this is like a thing. Even like every recap podcast I've listened to, they make references to how bad season two was. I liked season three better than season two, and I think better than a lot of people did. But yeah, I'm kind of surprised that you're with season two, because I well, remember hating it. You know what? first of all, anybody that probably watched season two right after you watch season one, there's no way it's going to live up to season one. So I didn't have that kind of recency bias against it. So I was kind of open-minded. Um, I, I'm not, I don't hate it. It's nowhere near season one, but I've heard people say that they didn't like season three. So I don't know what to expect. I haven't tried to watch season three. Um, but again, there's two episodes left. I, I, Colin Farrell, I don't know. I'm kind of enjoying his character a little bit. I, I, I'm not minding it at all. I mean, it's, it's entertaining enough. I, I have seen people uh, absolutely 100% complain about season two. I'm not hating it as much as everybody else did. I don't love the current season. I don't, I did not love night. I'm not loving night country. I didn't love night country. It was it was too horror flick for me. I don't like horror movies. And season three, I mean, season whatever this is. What is it? Season five? Is it four? I think it's four. It's only four? Okay. I mean, Jodie, the, the acting is really good. Jodie Foster is just good. But the storyline, I, I did not like it. And not care for it. It's just too like sort of spooky weird two sign it's two stranger things it's like it's like true detective meets stranger things <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely heard- go ahead dan i was just gonna say i've heard this season is like really in like nuts but that's they, all i know like i said all i've watched is one they lean i think definitely to your point into like the horror the more traditional like horror movie jump scares occasionally more and it does it is weird i feel like my biggest complaint about this season was they tried to cram too much into six episodes i did watch the finale that aired on sunday february 18th for whoever whenever you're listening to this um and it just felt like yeah there was so much kind of crammed into six episodes i wish if anything it had been a little bit more and maybe the pacing wouldn't have felt 
as weird. But yeah, the the horror aspects of it were definitely there more than other seasons of the show, I felt like. Okay, so Ashley, what Bravo show are you watching? <laughs> I'm still watching Vanderpump Rules because there are like 300 freaking episodes of this show, guys. I hate to say it, it's embarrassing, but... The other things that I've been doing, I've been getting caught up on movies because I feel like I had not seen any good movies since Barbie and Oppenheimer first came out in July. It was right before I got in my car and drove to the Greenbrier. Um, so I've been getting caught up on like all the heavy hitter Oscar movies. So I'm trying to think like over the last couple of weeks, I watched American Fiction, which was really good. I watched Anatomy of a Fall. I watched Poor Things. I've watched maestro which is like the most oscar bait movie i think i've ever seen in my life um there was something else i watched the other day too i'm trying to remember now but i feel like i've seen all like the heavy hitter oscar movies at this point and i've been getting caught up that way um but for some reason it's like it feels like so much more work to sit down and watch a like two or two and a half hour movie than it does to watch like five episodes of Vanderpump Rules and it makes no sense because I'm wasting more time doing the second one but I think it's requiring less brain power like when I watch I watched Oppenheimer I rewatched Oppenheimer like that requires you to think that movie you have to be paying attention when I'm watching Lisa Vanderpump run sir there's much less thinking involved and it's very peaceful I yeah I I don't have the attention span for Oppenheimer I'm gonna admit it I just don't I'm, I'm weak. I don't have the attention span for it. I can't. You will I can't like Barbie, though, Dan. You'll like Barbie. I know. I still. I still actually need to watch that. That's been on my list since since the Greenbrier. So, yeah. I actually. I I went down. I've never. Okay. I've never done like an audio book before. I don't know why, but I've never listened to an audio. And I realized why I don't because I always have to go back because I just miss everything that they say. I just zone out. So that's why I can't <laughs> do audio books. But I had. I did the audiobook version of that killers of the flower moon and i'm like oh they made a movie out of this maybe i should watch it and then i saw it was three and a half hours long and i'm like nope i'm good <laughs> i did watch that <laughs> one as book. well in my catch-up so it is good i actually think you're gonna laugh when i say this but it does not feel like a three and a half hour movie like it for some reason the pacing of that it goes quicker to me than oppenheimer which is like a half hour shorter um, I don't know. I think it's like because in Oppenheimer they're jumping back and forth and there's so many people and this is like very the storytelling methods and the way they're moving through time more chronologically is a bit I don't know. It makes it seem like it's going faster but I, I have a feeling you still don't want to hear that because a three and a half hour movie that doesn't feel like three and a half hours still feels like two and a half plus hours. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe, maybe I will at some point. But um, I because I just watch the same like four shows over and over again. I'm I'm rewatching Sopranos, so that's that's been <laughs> my it. my off season project. And I came this close, this close to rewatching Friday Night Lights for like oh. a thousandth time. I thought the Kyle Chandler oh, commercial yeah. was going to put you over the edge. Well, it was it was that <laughs> it was it was a, a Ringer podcast that talks about the endings of shows, and the first one they did was Friday Night Lights because they obviously are just trying to rope me in to be a regular listener to this podcast. <laughs> um, so it was just that combination of things that was like, oh, I should rewatch that show for again, like the five hundredth time. What about the holdovers? Have you have either of you guys watched the holdovers? A lot of people are watching that lately. I love. I've heard the of it. Holdovers. I haven't yet though. Yeah, Did you love I it, loved Ashley? it. I absolutely loved it. It's my favorite Paul Giamatti 
like performance ever now. Um, He's so good. I mean, it's really like a three lead movie and um, Divine Joy Randolph is the female like lead. She's amazing. And then the student, the main kid, the student is like a new actor. This is like his first movie he's done. It's a very like, you'll like it because you like it honestly to me reminded me very much of It's a Wonderful Life in like unexpected ways. So mm-hmm. I think you, you will really like that one for sure. Okay, good. I'm looking forward to that. That's my next movie that I'm going to watch. And then I do have to, I wanted to see Oppenheimer when it came back to the theaters, but I think it's back out of the theater again. And I, I really wanted to see it in the theater and so I'm disappointed about that, but I, I'm looking forward to watching that as well. Cause you guys know how I feel about Thomas Shelby. <laughs> <laughs> I will probably just suck it up and watch Oppenheimer at some point. But again, the attention span, it's just, it's not there. Um, okay. There we go. Our Monday edition of the orange and Brown talk podcast, uh, some Browns talk, some entertainment talk. We really need the combine. To, to get here we we need we need to hear from kevin and andrew we need some things to start happening here in this off season we'll have that coming up next week like i said we'll have a hey mary k edition of the pod coming up later in the week as well and lance risen is going to help get you ready for the combine to give you some names to watch that's all coming up later in the week so just get subscribed on apple Podcasts or spotify find us on instagram search orange and brown talk if you missed our awards show by the way Go back and listen to part two of that from over the weekend. Um, And also find us on YouTube. Search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you.